one of the coffee shops that I used to work at was an indie shop. So we got to basically wear whatever. Um, and I was a fan of this um, like knit hat that I wore a lot. And I had this guy come in and he was like an older, he was one of those like old rich white guys that like wanted desperately for you to think you as a young person think he was cool. Oh God. So he came in one day and I was wearing that hat and he's like, you know, in that hat, you look exactly like Karen O from the AAS. And I just stopped and looked at him. I'm like, yeah, bud. Sure. Here's your coffee. Please leave. And he, he left. And as soon as the door closed, like I just burst out laughing and the guy I was working with is like, why is that funny? I'm like, because Karen O's Asian, if memory serves. <laughs> and I look exactly nothing like her. <laughs> Basically, he learned who Karen O was that day. And he was very proud of himself and wanted <laughs> to show off his knowledge. I was walking with the everybody talking like a team so for the last two episodes ashley and i have been doing this fun little experiment by posting playlists and talking about songs covering uh summer 2002 summer 2010 or the aughts as ashley had called it and i felt super uncomfortable about using the term aughts because nothing makes you sound old and saying the aughts <laughs> well i just turned 32 so i'm old the aughts <laughs> oh crap i never actually like was like happy belated by the way because i never actually like formally wish you happy birthday on a show because everybody needs to know that now i'm old it's fine <laughs> <laughs> and we're gonna make you feel even older by talking about stuff that happened well now it's been what god it's almost been 10 years or no actually uh, well now 10 years because we're now doing my end of the list because originally i had done 2001 to 2005 then you did that so now I'm venturing into 2006, into 2010. Yeah, my presentation is over. I just get to hang out now. Yeah, because my first um, venture into all of this, um, I think I scared uh, one of my good friends, and I'm sorry. <laughs> that was not the intention. But of course, the one song that I identified with the most with on my playlist scared the living daylights out of you, and I'm sorry. <laughs> it wasn't that bad i've definitely heard worse well i almost did when girls telephone boys which would have been much worse i appreciate you not putting a bunch of um when i lovingly refer to as angry white guy music on this playlist and there wasn't really a lot of like screaming and stuff either it was it was actually quite enjoyable caden and i had fun listening to it which is tough because this is a lot of this is the era where i was listening to um, I know last time we talked a little bit about, like, Ferret Music and, like, Victory Records, which yeah. had a lot of, like, metalcore, like, and emo-core stuff on there, which I fucked with heavily, but I know it's not your thing. So, in my playlist, and even in some of this one, I was still listening to a lot of that, uh -huh. but I knew, like, ultimately, one, it wouldn't have been a fun listen, because I know it's not your bag, and that's totally cool. And second, it wouldn't have been as fun to discuss. So, this was what was cool about this is... Again, something we talk about a lot is peak scene shit and peak indie shit. 
So 2006 is probably the last year for me of peak scene shit. Okay. Like, I know this is a stupid thing to say because, as we've often discussed, is your peak scene shit was starting when mine ended. Yeah. But as far as, like, that first half of the aughts. (laughs) It sounds like it hurts you. It does because it doesn't roll off the tongue because it's like, oh, the aughts. The aughts. And and now, like, my jersey's coming out. God damn. (laughs) It's... It's not just you. It's just a word that, like, makes an accent happen. It's fine. (laughs) The Black Parade to me, and I've gone on record to say that I'm not a huge fan of that album. But to me, it really felt like a funeral for scene music as we knew it at that era. 2006 really was the end of the first part of that and the beginning of the second part of that. 2006 is a good place to sort of split as far as, like, pop punk and the scene was concerned. Like, that's a good place to split it. It really did feel like a swan song. Now, in going into 2007 onward, scene music is still around, but it started to change. And we started getting a lot more bands like, you know, I mean, granted, I know All American Rejects got like a second bite at the apple. You got like Cute is What We Aim For. Like, oh, what the hell is the other band? Shit, why didn't I put that on my fucking list? <laughs> Damn it! That first All American Rejects album rocks so hard. God, I didn't put it on mine either. Like, oh, it's so good. Oh, man. I'm disappointed in us. But I don't know if you've heard of Museum Mouth. I don't think so, no. They're really fun, but every Valentine's Day, they do, like, a cover song and they'll release it for, like, you know, page you want on, like, Bandcamp. Uh-huh. And one year, like, they covered that, and it's so good, but they also covered, like, Got You Where I Want You by The Flies. Oh, fun. It's a really good cover of that. But anyway, like that was where the scene music, like, okay, the haircuts were still kind of trendy, but it was it was weird how everything went from being like Neo got kind of like, you know, black eyeliner where everything just got strangely brighter. Yeah. And I don't know if maybe we were starting to finally come out of the like Bush era shit. So maybe that had something to do with it. But like scene music got a lot more vibrant and a lot like, hey, there's colors here and it's not just black and red and. We're still emo about shit, but hey, our clothes are coming from like American Eagle now instead of just all hot topic. I love that you're like blaming like latter day scene kid stuff on like Obama's hope and change. <laughs> I don't know. I always like kinda... it's it's Obama's fault that we have forever the sickest kids. <laughs> now you Thanks, make Obama. Sound like so- oh no that's not what i oh no that's not what i meant i mean but (laughs) oh man forever the sickest kids are actual trash please continue (laughs) because i would never nobody not obama like what was that what were we doing um I don't know. Cocaine, maybe? <laughs> I don't know. But then you think about like Motion City soundtracks, like Even If It Kills Me, where it didn't, at least on paper, it didn't sound as like dark as Commit This to Memory, but it's still a heavy album. But I think about like the artwork and the presentation of it, it felt yeah. so much about like that late 2000s scene music where, again, it appeared brighter, 
but it still dealt with a lot of the heaviness that the early stuff did, but it just didn't seem as overwrought. It was packaged differently. It was sort of presented in a way that made it easier to swallow. Not that it was particularly difficult to begin with, but like, you know, it's like putting lipstick on a pig. Wow. That's... (laughs) (laughs) God damn. I mean... (laughs) And this is the shit that, like, I love deeply and have so many emotional attachments to. Which is why I love doing this now, because we will get into those albums and a lot of that stuff. By 2006, 2007, like, I'm starting to branch out more. Like, I went back a little bit, like, started, like, fucking heavily with Hot Water Music, Avail, Jawbreaker, and, like, punk music of that type. Uh Uh-huh. But then started my indie shit. Now, to be fair, uh, my peak indie shit really started in 2003. Okay. Spring and summer was all pop punk, emo core shit like that, but then in the winter, you know, especially when I was taking classes at uh, college, you know, it was, like, the Mountain Goats and, you know... Oh, all girls, yeah. summer fun band, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. See, and like so much of that shit, I got so much later. It made me feel like shitty about it. But at the same time, it was very cool to sort of like have all of this new music to listen to. And I didn't have to worry about like waiting around for albums to get released. <laughs> I know I say this a lot, but I'm so happy that we did this. Yeah. Because... This is such a very strange experiment, but I'm I'm glad we went on this ride because it's kind of embarrassing now to basically have (laughs) someone else experience the stuff that I felt so heavily being like, this is good, but it's definitely not my bag. Whereas, you know, back then, if you had told me like hexagram wasn't great and I'm like, I would have been very sad about it. Friendship over. No, not really. Eh, I think the brand new Taking Back Sunday thing probably would have been worse for us. I'm sorry. That's why you're cut from the team, Ash. Cute without the E. Uh, don't please don't make me defend Jesse Lacey on this podcast. <laughs> Partly because I can't, and and the other part is I really don't want to. Oh, never! I would. Uh, <laughs> so I was proud of myself in that I had heard of almost everybody on your playlist. I have a somewhat working knowledge of almost all of these bands. Yeah, so I decided instead of going more punk and emo, I definitely leaned more into my indie shit, even though not every band on here is an indie rock band per se, but definitely that vibe. Yeah. I basically worked like three jobs in 2006. Mm -hmm. At the start of the year, I worked as a collection agency, which pretended to go out of business in order to fire me. Yes, I remember this story. And then I worked at a movie theater where I listened to a whole bunch of weird shit because working for uh, this theater chain, it was a whole bunch of music. Because one of the songs I wanted to use, and I'm mad I didn't, but it would have just been like, what the fuck? Uh-huh. Would have been No Good Deed Goes Unpunished from the Wicked soundtrack. Oh, hell yeah. I fucked so hard with Wicked. Oh, my God. Because it was either that or like One Short Day in Emerald City because he used to always play at the movie theater. <laughs> That's so random. <laughs> I know, but it was like, that shit was like, especially No Good Deed Goes Unpunished. Like, that was my shit. Like, I've never seen Wicked, like, on Broadway. I know my sister had the soundtrack, but that shit was, like, fucking metal. Yeah, I had a Broadway soundtrack phase around the time that the Wicked soundtrack was very big. So that was one that I fucked with a lot. Yeah, so I, I feel like I settled, but granted, I loved this band so much. 
Like, I knew they they broke up for, like, good reasons, and it wasn't like, oh, we hate each other, but it was like they kind of came to their, like, just logical closing point. Yeah. But The Thermals is honestly one of my favorite bands. And I think probably one of those moments that I'll, like, never shut the fuck up about was um, meeting um, them at Maxwell's. As a matter of fact, I think there's a picture of me and Atlas, like, with the rest of the band, like, in the hallway, like, at the venue. Oh, awesome. And, you know, I got to meet the band, and I introduced myself after they played in um, the drummer Weston Glass. Actually, like, recognized, like, my blog. Oh, how cool. Because he's like, oh, I read your stuff. It's pretty cool. And I'm like, thank you. And, you know, I was like, good show. Cool. And, you know, have a good night. I turned around, and I probably could have just passed the fuck out. Because <laughs> I'm trying so hard to just be very professional, be, you know, not freak anybody out. But it was just yeah. like, oh, my fucking God. Like, <laughs> But A Pillar of Salt, now, this is the second Bush term. Yeah. This asshole's in for another four years. And, you know, we talked, I think, maybe once before about, like, American Idiot and a little bit, I think, was it Cursive or was it Arcade Fire? Yeah, Arcade Fire. All of the praise that American Idiot got, I feel like the body of the blood the machine should have gotten. So, don't hate me. I know who the thermals are and i know that i've heard some songs off of this album but i never really listened to them that much this song fucking ruled this made me want to to do a little bit of a dive into the thermals so i think i'm gonna do that <laughs> oh and definitely watch the music video for this okay i can do because the music video is so fucking fun and also it's got um a couple of cameos that I don't want to spoil, but I wonder if you're if you'll notice it because it's someone I think you really like. Okay. There's some like fun like blinking you miss some cameos from some other people in that scene. Hell yeah! If you want to just listen to it and jam out, you can. But it's as really much like the rest of the album is this really just scathing like fuck you to Christian fundamentalism. You can either be pissed listening to this or have like the greatest day and nothing's <laughs> lost, everything is gained, which is fun. Okay. Sorry, I could go on about the thermals the whole time, but I also need an excuse to talk about yeah, yeah, yeah's because... Because they're great. Oh my gosh. Show Your Bones is such a good album. It's such a good album. And that's also just coming off of like Fever to Tell, which is like a fucking monster album. Yeah. It took a bit of a different turn from Fever to Tell. The bigger jump for me is Show Your Bones to It's Blitz afterwards. Yeah. I love It's Blitz because, like, that's that hipster dance shit that I kind of struggled with at first, but have since, like, come around to very hard. Because that whole fucking album rules so much. It's it's very good. Show Your Bones is kind of, it's super punk rock. When it comes to genres, and which is why I think, you know, women and a lot of people that, you know, kind of come from groups that are traditionally marginalized just do things better because it's like that sort of mentality that Coco Punk is supposed to embody. Yeah. Hard to do that when you've had a lot of stuff handed to you. Just going to flat out say it. For sure. But, you know, we were talking last time about Shirley Manson and that level of confidence and a naked honesty. And it's just refreshing. And it's also wild that it's still seen as such a, like, defiant act, even in 2006, where a woman can, you know, be on stage and can be vulnerable can be confrontational, could be sexual, whatever the case may be, and just own that and not be like apologetic about it. And Karen O 
much like Shirley, just embodies all these great things that, again, we don't really like to talk about and like to make it look like it's this very strange thing. But she was who she was, flaws and all, and it made just for better music because Fever to Tell is, you know, it's raucous, but it took all of that raw energy and harnessed it into like this Hadouken of just badassery. <laughs> After I listened to your playlist a couple of different, a couple of times, I like went back and was like, paused it, looked around and was like, all right, I'm going to have a AAS moment. <laughs> and then basically <laughs> just like listen to this album. And I just kind of forgot how many good songs are on it. I had this, the, for some odd reason, I don't know why I bought it. Um, I had bought the gold lion, like single. So I had that on CD. I don't remember the B-side to it, but I remember it being really good. And just like Cheated Hearts fucking rules. Like Warrior's a great song. Hell yeah. You, you picked a good one. Phenomena I like a lot off this album too. There's just so many good songs off this album. Because I wanted to pick Gold Lion because arguably like I listened to that one maybe a little bit more that summer. Yeah. And mainly because like the music video is always on TV and I just would never not watch it. But Phenomena is just... Like, that's one of those, I want to fight to that. <laughs> no, I completely understand. <laughs> like, uh, someone needs to get decked. <laughs> but in a way where I'm not just like, I need to express my love of the song through violence, just more of a, someone needs to get put down because it's just, I feel like you need it anyway, but this is great background music to do it. Yes. Like, this is good quit your job music for some reason. <laughs> like, like, if I had quit the, the collection of displays, like, while this was playing, I would have had a much better time. Shit, now I'm going to have to add that one to the list, too, other than Garbage. Hell yeah. Pretty much any of their albums I would be down to talk about. I mean, we might have to talk about It's Blitz only because, like you, the dance side of, like, indie pop, it took me a while to get a hold of, but I think now I'm much more cool with it than I was back then. Passion Pit did a remix of Heads Will Roll. That's very cool. We'll have to look into that. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> what made me laugh about your playlist is that we were going some upbeat places, and then I looked down and the National was on there next. <laughs> so I, I want to, just a preface, there's no way you can put the National on the playlist and not feel a certain kind of way. God. Even the one song I wanted to put Mistaken for Strangers. I love that song so much. But then there was like, uh, what was the one song? We'll Live and Die in These Towns by The Enemy? Yes. That was one of my picks. As well as the one I wanted to go for, which I should have picked. So just so not to like bring the mood down was Mutiny, I Promise You by uh, New Pornographers. Who I love so much. Who I almost punched myself in the face because... For 2005, I should have picked something off of Twin Cinema. <laughs> How did I miss seeing me Spanish techno? Like, that is like my favorite new pornographer song. Uh, God. It's fine. It's fine. Nico Case, like, should shame me somehow. Like, she's like, I don't know who this agent is, but for some reason, I'm getting these vibes in the universe that this kid's not awesome. Because <laughs> he should have picked one of our songs. It's fine. We can make more playlists. I believe in us. Oh, and we may have to just talk about Nico Case, too, because, oh! Hell yeah. So, for me, The National is such a winter band. Yeah, they really are. This is when I get into, like, the acoustic, like, singer-songwriter, like, dark, depressing indie shit in the wintertime, because it <gasps> just sort of fits the atmosphere. We are best so, friends. I know. 
<laughs> Which is why I was even more surprised to see it on your like happy summertime fun time list. I don't know. It's the national. I like them a lot. So I was happy to hear it. But can you explain to me why it's here? Um, shit. And this is why this was tough because I originally wanted to put for my 2007, um, Art Brew, uh, Bad Weekend. Uh huh. Which is a much more upbeat song, but I think it plays into more of what a lot of these songs kind of go for, where it's like they're upbeat, but they're, they're a little melancholy. Yes. But start a war. All right. How can I tell a story where it's not like dumb? Um, I told some stupid stories last time, so... Like, I was talking to Eileen earlier today about the friends that I have. Because, like, you know, I have a lot of cousins, and they are, like, my brothers and sisters in a lot of ways, because we all grow up very close. But in terms of, like, friends, like, my really close circle is very small. I admit that I'm not exactly the most socially outgoing person in the world. And I know, like, the podcast, people may think otherwise. But at the time, I only really had, like, a handful of, like, really good friends, and two especially. That's why I think in a lot of ways, you know, when we talked about, like, Fast and Furious, and, you know, we even talked about, like, Guardians of the Galaxy, even just in amongst ourselves. But the idea of found family is, like, really important to me. Because a lot of the family that I have aren't necessarily related by blood. Sometimes I just have these stupid feelings of, like, worrying about what's going to happen if I don't have these people around for whatever reason. Maybe we just drift. Maybe there's, like, a confrontation of some sort. But I would listen to the song on the way to, like, go hang out with them. Or, like, if we were in a room sometimes, I would just put my headphones on and write. Okay. But it was very much like this idea of what would it be like if I lost my friends? And like I said, I know this is like really goofy and that's why I was like, shit, should I really put this on here? Because Bad Weekend would have been a much like more uplifting story. Uh-huh. But really what it came down to is what if I lose my friends and it's my fault? What if you started the war? Exactly. All right. It's very cathartic. I mean, thank God I didn't use Exile Vilify. That would have ruined everything. <laughs> and the playlist comes to a screeching, <laughs> screeching halt. Yeah, and that's why I really, and there were so many other songs in 2007 I could have used in its place, but this one, I don't know, it's just a strangely important song for me. I completely respect that. It was just one of those where I'm like, I understand this playlist. This was the one song where I'm like, I'm here for it. I don't know why it's here. So I thought I would ask. So I'm going to introduce a term. Okay. Every playlist I've ever made, there is always that song where it's like, I don't know why this is here, but whatever. And it's like, oh, this is my hexagram. (laughs) (laughs) Where it's like, there's a song I super feel, but it doesn't fit. But fuck it, I'm going to go with it. So, and I know it's kind of a dip, but funny enough, the song after this also plays into that a little bit, but more in a fictional sense. Okay, so when I told you that I knew almost everyone on your playlist, uh, this was the one that I had never heard. The song rules, though, so I'm excited to listen to more of it. Love Jenny Farner so much, and if you were to ask me how I started listening to them... I don't know. <laughs> you ever like listen to a band or get into a band and you really go back and it's like, how did I find out about you? Now, now it's so much easier because it's just kind of, I usually just end up writing those off. I'm like, 
Eh, it was probably Spotify. Shrug. Yeah, because before Spotify and after, like, file sharing became a thing, but it wasn't even that. Like, I don't know how it came across Johnny Farner. Like, I'm still trying to figure out what was the song that did it. Like, one day, I knew nothing about them. The next day, their entire discography up to that point is on my iPod. <laughs> and I feel like one day, I was walking, someone pulled me off the street, beat the crap out of me, stole my iPod. And when I came to, they gave it back to me, and all of a sudden, there's all this cool shit in it. Like, thank you, <laughs> mystery music-loving mugger. Nah, it was The Matrix. Oh, yeah, that's right. But yeah, this <laughs> song fucking, like, I just love the shit so much. I enjoy bands where we have male and female vocals. That is just a thing that makes me happy. So it's got that going for it. It just, the beat is really good. I just, I just really enjoyed it. It was Block Party. That checks out. Like, how did I not go with A Weekend in the City for 2007? (laughs) Because there's too many, too many things came out in 03 and 07. What was it about those two years? Like, music needed to chill the fuck out. (laughs) I'm starting to think that, like, good music's like one of those, like, old-timey Bond villains where they're all sitting around, like, the table and it's like... What nefarious deed shall we commit today? Like, let's release every important album in the same year. <laughs> Fade to black commercial break. <laughs> and it's like each person at the table is representative. It's like, okay, indie rock. It's like, what hot hitting social commentary album shall we release today? <laughs> And meanwhile, it's like, you know, the emo delegates on the other end with like his swoop haircut. He's still wearing like the black button shirt with the red tie. Like, <laughs> I have this Green Day album for you if you want it. Excellent. What is it called? <laughs> um, American Idiot. Oh, they'll love that because Americans are stupid. <laughs> <laughs> now, let us all listen to this new Tegan and Sarah. Hell yeah. And then they all just start jamming to, like, so jealous. <laughs> oh, oh man. I, I like my supervillains a lot more than the actual ones we have. <laughs> but, yeah, this was one of those weird songs where it combines my love of just energetic indie rock. But it's got, like, this twinge of melancholy to it that I also love. And like he said... You know, the juxtaposition of, like, you know, the male and female vocals, which is always great. I don't know. It's just, it's just fun shit to me. I mean, this next one should be surprised to nobody because I spent a lot of last episode singing it because I was told that it needed to be on my playlist. And I didn't even argue it. It immediately went up, like, the second you said it. <laughs> because I know you. I know you in this album, first of all. And I know you in this song. And I know you fuck really hard with this song. I figured I would just make it easier for you. <laughs> I, I love that you just made the demand. And I'm like, you know what? I can't. Who would I be to argue? Like, if anything <laughs> else. And believe me, there were some strong candidates for 2009. My God. A lot of bands in 2009 were releasing stuff that just sounded different from the stuff they released before. So it's like, oh, hey, new brand new album. Oh, this is different. Hey, new Tegan and Sarah. Oh, wait, this isn't the con. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> and and not I don't mean that in like in a disrespectful like way or meant to slam them, but you know the con is a very challenging listen, and we've yes. gone over that, and I think it was episode three. But I don't know, Sainthood. You said this better than I could ever articulate, but you said something along the lines of 
this album really is that bridge between like early Tegan and Sarah and like the more pop oriented stuff. Yeah. Much like with My Chemical Romance, whereas the Black Parade felt like the end of scene music up to that point, I think Sainthood felt like Tegan and Sarah's end of their traditional indie rock era. They've sort of said as much where they felt like after Sainthood, there was nowhere for them to really go within that genre, which is when they started putting out different sounding shit, which I am also here for. But I feel like Sainthood is Tegan and Sarah's, like, most slept-on album. It really is. Because, you know what it is? Like I said, it's kind of stuck between these two very different-sounding albums. The album before doesn't sound like anything here. And what comes out after it doesn't quite either. No. And for people who would probably put them in some sort of traditional bracket, probably had a hard time placing it anywhere. But that's I think this album's strength is it's not trying to fit any particular mold and i think i know they had said it was also not necessarily the easiest album to do but you wouldn't know it there's a plethora of different sounding stuff on this album which makes it very fun where you've got some songs like red belt and alligator that are more sort of dancey and then you've got other shit like hell and north shore that like are like punk rock as shit i don't know I really like this album. I wish more people would listen to it and give it the time of day. And it's funny, like, the song lyric that is the title of our show came from, at the time, my least favorite song on this album. And it's funny, like, I've listened to this album since it came out in 2009. And yet, every time I've listened to it since then, I always found either a new song to appreciate or even old songs to appreciate in a different way. And not that I don't do that with other albums at all, but for some reason on this one, I always kept going back to Sainthood and rediscovering ways for it to like be applicable or to like identify with it. And it's great in that manner because some albums are very much like they're cut and dried, they're very black and white. And that's not a problem necessarily, but I always appreciate going back and listening to certain things with like fresh ears or like a different mindset and seeing what I feel. That's how I know an album's good is no matter where I am in my place in life, if I can go back and still appreciate something and find something new to discover about it, then it's like, okay, you're you're good. That was beautiful. No. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. And I think this is a good album for that. It's just a very diverse album. It's very fun. And Red Belt fucking rules. So I approve this choice. That's why I demanded it be on there. And that's another song that, again, it's so slept on. And don't get me wrong, all their stuff is great. And I know eventually we will have to talk about the announcements that they made because, oh my God, I'm trying so hard not to like jump up and down and squeal. But I need this album in my ears like immediately. Yeah. Take all the time you need, but please hurry. (laughs) I need this. So I woke up with that really like midsummer, like, hockey's basically over nothing really interesting is happening anymore like sadness so i'm kind of just sitting around waiting for the end of september and early october for a plethora of reasons because i miss hockey and i want new teen and sarah and i want the book and i'm just i'm ready for it 
So I'm just going to sit in front of my door like Scott Pilgrim and wait for shit to happen. <laughs> oh, also, um, I'm sure come hell or high water, we will probably still be doing the show coming in. So when that happens, um, we're going to be in our feelings. Yes. We are going to be in our feelings. Get fucking ready for it. There's going to be laughing. There's going to be crying. There may be even some confusion. Because the thing is, when it comes to albums, other than like movies, because it's like now with movies, you know, like because everything's through either Marvel or Fast and Furious, (laughs) you know, it's like you usually can see like those sometimes they'll post pictures or there'll be some news regarding like casting or things like that. But after I heard that snippet from a teaser from YouTube, I was like. I'm good. I I honestly don't want to hear anything else until the shit drops. Like, I want to be able to just, like, fucking just dive into this. It's such a cool fucking concept. It really Uh, is. It's another one of those where I'm like, and it's great synergy with their memoir coming out. Like, way to fucking go. Like, what are we even doing? Because, and also, let's really just think about, fuck it, we're going to talk about this now. Yes. Like I, I thought about that because you know how some bands are very much like what we're doing now is what we're doing now. Uh-huh. As much as people may want us to go back to a particular time in our lives, it's like we're just not those people. So to even take that step back, and I guess, you know, a lot of it I'm sure has to do with the book because they really went into like their formative years and really just started processing all the stuff that they went through, which is why I wish I'd went to that panel at BookCon to hear them talk about it which it wouldn't have been nearly as fun since you weren't there but like it would have been really cool to maybe get some of that insight but you know they've been kind of talking about it even on like social media and stuff like that and i'm not really sure what it is i'm going to be experiencing and i think some of like that mystery like there's enough of course to draw you in yeah but there's so much that i don't know and for a band that i love so much i'm still really in a way rediscovering them so it all still feels new. And now at some point, I'm sure we'll go back to their other material, even revisit some of the new stuff. Like we'll constantly be going back, but it's going to be really cool and just really interesting to see what they do with this old material because bands have re-recorded their stuff all the time. But in a manner like this, and also to have like basically the entire production staff and musicians involved in this, like to be all women, like that's that's a huge deal. I have a feeling that I'm going to end up doing like Captain Marvel levels of like ugly feminist crying again. <laughs> so what we may have to do is we may not even record our initial reactions. We may just have to talk privately, get our shit <laughs> together, because it's going to be a motherfucker of emotions. Oh so we may gosh. have to work those out amongst ourselves before we ever get on the microphone. We, if we had to go on hiatus, just a deal. <laughs> I will do that until we're ready to talk to you about it. You just don't want to listen to me cry. I I get it. It's fine. Look, I almost <laughs> derailed this show with my discussion about the National. I might cut that shit out. I don't know. <laughs> oh, and then the fuck, um, fucking um, Slater Kitty's coming out with an album produced by Satan. What are we doing? Yeah. Maybe Clark's producing that shit and the songs that they released are flames. Yes. What is happening in 2019? Let's get it. <laughs> And then fucking, like, Beyonce is, like, curating a playlist for The Lion King? Like, what is life right now? <laughs> like, this is... Give me all of this, please. Art is trying to balance out the dumpster fire that everyday existence is. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I hate that it, sometimes it takes that, and I'm not saying that it needs to. 
And I love watching movies. I love reading comics. I love all these things. But like, if music doesn't have a shit together, then what is what's the point? Exactly. So, and all this great stuff's happening, and I'm like, I'm sorry that it took the literal end of the world for it to happen, but fuck it. If this is how we're going out, then that soundtrack is going to be popping. <laughs> Remember when we thought that fucking George W. Bush was going to be the end-all, be-all? I mean... How? I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, clearly Obama did, because, you know, Frodo sick as kids, right? Like... <laughs> <laughs> no, but dead ass though, I know exactly what you mean. It's like sitting there like listening to like anti flag albums, like being like, Oh, oh my homies, you have no idea. <laughs> it is okay. This is fucking paradise in comparison. This shouldn't have to be the case. This shouldn't even be something to have to worry about. But something has to be said, something has to be done. Even if it's not directly speaking to it, it's like, you know, someone's gotta speak something into the world. It doesn't often feel like it's enough, but you know what? Maybe at least for, what, 30 minutes or 40 minutes of song, like, at least maybe it won't feel so fucking horrible. I'm sorry I bummed us out. (laughs) No, honestly, I'm not bummed. (laughs) In a way, I feel almost, I don't want to say hopeful necessarily, but we'd be doing ourselves a disservice if we pretended like things were, like, super okay and things are, like... If that makes you uncomfortable, I'm sorry, but I'm going to feel what I'm going to feel. <laughs> as much as I want to entertain and, you know, I don't know. I, I just didn't want it to be like, all right, we're just going to basically just be comedy and laugh the whole time. But like, you know, I mean, we're not going to try to depress anybody deliberately, but it's music. Like, it does so many different things at so many different times. And I feel like we'd be doing a disservice if we didn't at least address it in some way. Like, we don't have to necessarily spell everything out, but for sure, this is, these are our lives. For for the people that just don't want to acknowledge it and are just sort of like, keep your politics out of my whatever, video games, music, like, I get that and I respect it. Using media as escape is fair. But sometimes, unfortunately, it just kind of seeps through. That's the thing that happens. Yeah. So. Honestly, the way I feel it is, it's not politics to give a shit. Yeah. That's fair. Caring about people being treated fairly or speaking out when people are being treated unfairly should not be tied to a party system. I agree with that. It's just the right thing to do. Yes. You know, and I'm not calling out you necessarily. No, by not, by no means at all. But I often, I often hear people use the line like, Oh, I don't want to be political, but really just meaning like, I don't want to say anything that may make anybody question anything. Like, it almost becomes, like, a blanket statement to, like, shirk any sort of, like, personal accountability. Because I'm like, I'm sorry. Everything you read, you listen to, you watch, somebody's agenda, personally or otherwise, is in that art. For sure. A thousand percent. Half of, like, 80 songs that people used to dance and snort cocaine to were protest songs. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh-huh. Like, fucking Chumbawamba's Tub Thumping. Came from one of, like, the most, like, politically charged bands of that era. I feel so bad that, like, that was their song. That was their song that they got big for. And, like, they're like, no, really, we have this whole other catalog. We have, you know, a message and all this other stuff. And they're like, no, sing that song about getting drunk again, please. (laughs) But that's us, though. Like, I mean, I just, I, I need people to just think at least a little bit. Which is why it's like, yeah, we talk about brand new, but we also have to acknowledge, like, hey, 
Jesse Lacey. <laughs> Yikes. And Morrissey was always the racist scumbag. Uh, he always was. We're just now noticing it because it's a lot more obvious. But, I mean, a lot of us, including myself, we're, we're, I think some of us are lying to ourselves. Because even back then, like, when I was younger, I knew, like, this guy's an asshole. <laughs> I know. I fucked with the Smiths so hard, though. We all did. <laughs> That's that peak, like, teenage emo shit right there. A friend and I were talking recently about problematic faves and sort of how you go about reconciling that, where she's like, you know, I actually really like R. Kelly, and I don't I don't really know, like, what I do about that now. And I think you do, you do what feels right. Some people are, are willing to sort of speak with their money, you know, like I try to give money to businesses that I don't agree with their political beliefs and that sort of thing. That's on me. Um, I also get it. Like Chick-fil-A's waffle fries are fucking delicious. I understand if that's what you want to do with with yourself and that's where you want to spend your money. It's just, I think at the end of the day, as long as we acknowledge like, yo, Dudes like R. Kelly are mad problematic. And as long as that is part of the narrative when we explore the media, I think it's fine. Right. And I also think that there's a certain line. You know, it's funny that we think about the R. Kelly thing, and I'll try to like to kind of sum this up as best I can. Okay. This isn't anything new because it had been over a decade since a lot of this first came to the surface. Yeah. Then shortly after that, I think he had ended up releasing in one of his another album. And I think it ended up being, like, really damn successful. Yeah. It really overshadowed a lot of that. And these stories that came to light are kind of hard to ignore. Yes. I also know that each person has to be honest with themselves about stuff like that and where they choose to go with it. Because I can't necessarily sit here and say, well, I think you shouldn't support it. Well, I mean, obviously you shouldn't support it, but... I think each of us have to kind of come to our own conclusions and really start to dig deep about some of the stuff we engage in and why we do. If you sit down and you really sort of dig deep and you realize, you know what? Like, I fucking love R. Kelly. Ignition is it. It's one of my favorite songs. I can come to terms with what he's done, but that song means a lot to me and I'm still going to listen to it. And I, again, this is just personal opinion, but as long as you've sort of, you've done your homework and you're okay with supporting that art moving forward, like, I guess I'm more on board with that than the people that are like, get this, get these fucking politics out of my, my escapist fair. That's one of those that's like, it's kind of like full stop. There's, there's no way. Like my love of this person's material should in no way impede what's essentially like legit criminal activity. Yeah. Personally speaking, it's not worth it. There are some people who I'm sure will hear everything that's happening. And especially since like given the arrest and be like, whatever, I'm just going to listen to them anyway. And there's some people who are just going to be, you know, the opposite, but there still needs to be a conversation. And there's, like you said, it can't not be a part of the narrative. Same with like brand new. I, I love Brand New. That is a band that when that news came out, I had to sit down and figure out what that meant as far as my continued fandom of that band and my continued appreciation of the albums that I really liked. Right. 
And I don't know that I've listened to much brand new since that news has come out. I also don't know that they're a band that's canceled for me. And we may have to get into that at some point. Yeah. Like, R. Kelly is fucking canceled to me. Ignition is a great song. And he's got a lot of great songs. But, like, nah. I'm good. Right. All right. So, the last song, you said you had some familiarity with the majority of this. So, I don't know. You listen to Stars. Like, damn, we could have been chatting about them forever. Um, I, I fucked really hard with the first album the first few albums that they did um, nice i haven't listened to them much as of late the five ghosts is an amazing album i'm just gonna flat out say it it's beautiful it's heart-wrenching but this is me and you'll find this out very easy like very quickly out if you haven't already take any band's discography uh-huh Throw a dart at the darkest entry <laughs> of their of their library, and chances are that's the one I'm going to gravitate towards. Because Stars has always been a band that's always been a little melancholy, a little, you know, it, they're, they're endearing. When you have nothing left to burn, you have to set yourself on fire. God, that, oh, <laughs> I love that album so much. Yes, that's, ah, it's just so good. Um. I was just pulling up their discography to see where I dipped in and dipped out. I know I listened to Night Song's Heart and Set Yourself on Fire. I don't think that I've actually checked back in on this band since 04. The Five Ghosts is depressing as shit. Okay. But it's brilliant. It's not quite a concept album, but it definitely just centers around death, things like loss. Sometimes literal, sometimes figurative. Even then, they still have ways to, like, jam, because, like, We Don't Want Your Body is still, like, this fucking bop. It's You almost kind of forget that, oh, yeah, this album is kind of fucked up. I think I've heard I Died So I Could Haunt You. I've heard a couple of songs from this album. But have you heard of Fixed before? Not that I remembered, but I dug it. Her voice is so great. I had gotten sick summer 2010. Like, I'm talking, like, I had, like, hardcore flu. I was out of work for, like, a week. Mm-hmm. I had just beat Mass Effect 2. Yay. And I ran through all the DLC that was available at the time. So I was like, shit, I I want to replay this, but I should play something new. I had bought a PS3 and I bought Fallout, played it, despised it. I was like, this game is not great. I could barely see it. It's dark. It's difficult. Like, it's just annoying. I'm just going to just let it collect dust. Okay. Suddenly, Fallout becomes my best friend when I'm sick. Because <laughs> it's like, I'm too sick to get up off the couch to change. Like, if I'm getting up, it's to go to the bathroom. I'm not taking it a step to go change the disc. So I'm just going to play this game. And it's kind of a bummer. Like, I love that game. Yeah. But it's very impressive because I think of all the Fallout games, that one is probably the most dreadful. Well, and it, it goes some places. It really fucking does. Like, it's heavy. Yeah. It would just bum me the fuck out. Like, it just was like, I don't need to be this depressed shooting, like, super mutants' heads off. <laughs> and so, at the time, like, I had this cool playlist that I was building. So, my thing was, when I would play Fallout, I would find, like, the most jaunty, or at least kind of, like, upbeat-sounding indie rock to play. Oh, hell yeah. I'm here for So, that. it was, like, this, like, the Golden Dogs, like, Japan Droids. Like, it was just this, like, really just fun playlist that was 
juxtaposed to me shooting the heads off of people and picking locks and trying not to die of radiation poisoning. <laughs> so I remember there was this one level in Fallout where it's like it's overrun with like feral ghouls. Uh-huh. I'm just pissed. So like I'm literally just I just every time I think about fixed. And hear that song, I just remember me just mowing down feral ghouls <laughs> and using that. So it does that cinematic mode like on Skyrim, where you just see like this girl with like glasses and she's got that face, like and you just see like the muzzle flash and then just mutants' heads exploding. <laughs> <laughs> and the five ghosts kind of became like this weird soundtrack to Fallout where it's like, this isn't just as this is just as dark, but it this is fun. I like this. <laughs> Now I see why they do this in, like, fucking Guardians of the Galaxy. See, and you know me, and you know where my fucking loyalties lie as far as my video game developer companies. Mm -hmm. Um, I am a giant Bioware dork. That is where my, my heart lies. But I feel like Bethesda, they allow me to play a game mindlessly. I don't necessarily need to be plugged into what is happening as far as the story is concerned. I can just like fuck around and explore and do whatever and it's fine. Which sometimes you want. I don't need to be that plugged into what Shep's doing and all that kind of stuff. Even though like, I love those games. But yeah, Bethesda games are perfect for like, I'm going to build a playlist and I'm going to do shit while I listen to this music instead. Hell yeah. I need to quit playing Skyrim. It's been like, no, you don't. It's been like a month, dude. I didn't even finish all of the expansions only because I know if I get sucked in, there's nothing getting me out. Like, I'm in it. And that's the thing. Like, my my copy of Skyrim came with all of the DLC. Oh, so you're... Oh, you're fucked. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> I'll never hear from you again. Um, this so, might actually be the last episode. <laughs> so there's like a whole other island of shit that you're supposed to do. Um... <laughs> Like, the Dawn Guard shit is all expanded. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, because, like, I have a friend at work who I basically, like, check in, and she's like, what did you do in Skyrim today? And I'll be like, this is what I did last night. And I just keep telling her, like, things, and she's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And I'm like, well, I guess it's DLC then. That just kind of came with my game. But I feel like I'm just, like, fucking, like, spinning my wheels and nothing is happening. Like, I've, like, maxed out a few skill trees at this point. I should really actually look it up. I'm wondering if at some point, like, you just max out level-wise. But Skyrim is just cool because you basically just get to be, like, this dirty adventurer and just hitting things in the head with arrows. I've killed so many ponies, Adrian. I feel so bad. (laughs) I I feel like if I were to cut to the ending theme right there... That would be the darkest ending. Like, I killed so many ponies. <laughs> I was walking with the ghost. <laughs> oh, shit. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. Damn. I've quit using them. Because, yeah, I get places faster. But, like, half the time I use fucking fast travel, I get somewhere. And then there's enemies that have spawned immediately that kill my pony. And then I'm mad and I reload it. And then they do it again. I was just tired of giants punting me to a like <laughs> li- like oblivion and not like the area like <laughs> No, that's actually my favorite thing. Where I'm like, okay, I just died and that fucking sucks, but that was also hilarious. Like I've died still going through our atmosphere. Like I will <laughs> my corpse will disintegrate upon reentry. 
So I do this almost every single time that I like first play an RPG. I pick like the silliest, like littlest character and then just like make a, a tank. So I've made this like goofy elf tank who's like maxed out on two handed weapons and like she just fucking takes dragons down in like three or four sword swipes. So like nothing is a challenge anymore. Oh, so you really are spinning your wheels at this point. Yeah. That's what you get. Like, why are you such a good video game player? Why don't you just suck like the rest of us? God. Um, because I complete everything. Like, having a list of, like, incomplete missions, like, makes me crazy. And I would call you a nerd, but I also, like, ugly cried at the end of Fallout 4, so. <laughs> one, okay, one episode we're gonna have to just get in deep with the RPG chatting. I'm sure no one else will care, but it'll make me very happy to be able to talk that shit. We did this before. I'm sorry, Young Modern. I'm sorry, Godzilla. <laughs> we'll get to you. But no, next time we got to talk some video game shit. Hell yeah. I'm I'm down. Yeah, because um, I feel like between our, our playthroughs, especially since I've started a relative all renegade playthrough of Mass Effect. Oh my gosh. I respect you so much because I can't. I can't do it. <laughs> I get to yell at people for being racist scumbags. <laughs> I mean, that's... And it's amazing. That's the best part. Commander Shepard, there's a lot of aliens on the ship. I'm like, yo, he's right there. She's right there. <laughs> the fuck are you talking about? I'm the commander. If you don't like it, get your hateful ass off my ship. Do you want Rex over here to headbutt you? Do, <laughs> do you want that in your life? Do you want to dent your forehead? Oh, hell yeah. Spoiler alert. Next episode is just us talking about how Rex and Garrus fucking rule. And also, like, across the cargo hold, there's a Turian who is loading guns for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> this man talks about calibrations like most of us blink. <laughs> Do you want that alien smoke? <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, but that's happening. Yes. Oh, but before we go, we're on places on the interwebs. Yes, we are. Yeah, so let's see. There's a Twitter, which I run at TLAT Podcast. And basically, that is the same handle for the Instagram, which the very awesome actually runs. Let's see. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts. Listen to us there. Each has issues where you can also listen to the podcast of the same name and also the Latino Experience, which just dropped its first episode relatively recently. It's awesome. Yeah, it was very enjoyable. So whether <laughs> it's through culture or through geekdom or through music obsession, we got you covered. Hell yeah. That'll be it, and we'll see you next time. For more great podcasts, visit adrianhasissues.com.